want to read from Romans chapter 1. Paul says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you, to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Some years ago, um, I was attending a service where a man who pastored a very large church was preaching, and I'm going, can't wait to hear this guy, see what he's got. And he used this verse and gave his testimony of having come to the Lord in his 20s, and uh, this had become an anchor verse for him. Some months later, I heard him speak, and I heard the same verse. A couple years later, I heard him speak, and I heard the same verse. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. I had assumed that, uh, that because this church had grown through his ministry and developed in, and back in the day, so to speak, it was a church of about 2,000 people, which um, in the early 80s was a large church. Um, you didn't have the, the mega churches of, of multiple thousands very often. And so he had one of the larger churches in the nation. And, uh, but he's, he's using this verse over and over. And uh, it, it gnawed at me. I, just, <laughs> I, I would just go... Surely people can't come back and keep listening to that on a regular basis. And yet, um, I'm looking at this passage written by a man who was trained under the best scholars and had flourished in that system, had found success early on in, in the religious system that he'd been trained in, and yet had a transformation experience in life, and now is making this declaration over and over, this gospel is, this good news, that's, that's what gospel is, good news. He's making, I, I can't wait to share the good news with you. Can't wait to talk about the work of Jesus Christ. I, I'm excited about conveying the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this. You know, in some ways, there's a simplicity to it that you and I have to be very careful that we never get very far from. That's what I wanted to say today. Okay? If you catch that, you, you caught what I'm trying to convey. That we regularly uh, invest in our Bible study and learning the nuances of different verses. We understand the history and the backgrounds, and we learn what each book has got to say, and, and we, in our systems, we can learn the, 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 uh, the details, so to speak, and, and have a good Bible base, which is about what Paul accomplished. In fact, we're studying his writings most of the time, right? And so, even that said, there's a, a simplicity to what we're about that must not escape our lives. And regularly, it's important that we just kind of anchor in on that core message for ourselves, but also in our presentation. So that when we start praying about others and we start 
getting all involved about the relationship and the, um, the, their understanding. And their, yeah, but the transforming portion of this is connected to Christ and, and what he's done and what he is doing as a result of his investment in us. And so there's a, an essential part of our lives that says, I cannot stray from this. Um, that's why I think that we can pray with children at three for salvation, and yet never in our lives fully understand all the dynamics associated with that salvation. But they are old enough to understand their guilt. They're old enough to look at you when you call them to account and to understand that what they've done is inappropriate and there needs to be some kind of justice and peace that sets things back in order. And so, too, in our relationship to God, this knowledge that says, I'm sinful, but I really need to be at peace with him. And Paul's making this declaration when he writes this people whom he hasn't seen yet, but he hopes to see. And he's making this upfront statement. This is what I'm about. I'm about the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm about the good news of his salvation. Um, he spends the, the next portion of, of this particular book of Romans uh, the next chapters are building this case of saying that we're all sinful. We have this propensity to wander off. We do things that are profane. And he starts in this book, he says, The wrath of God's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Men who have, by unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. So there's a tendency in us to push down what's right and, and noble and honorable to do what we want to do. And he, he develops that thought significantly and he says, you know, that's, this is the bad news that we hear, it's, and it's a significant thing. Through this, this book, he's going to be describing that we wander down this path we push aside truth so that we can embrace what we want. And he says, at some point, God turns us loose and lets us go ahead with that, but it's disastrous in its results. When he gets to the place, he says, all of sin had come short of the glory of God. He just makes that declaration. We've all done that. And then he also tracks this thing since he's writing to a religious people saying, yeah, and, and God even revealed what was right to us through the law, but you know, we, we have the law, but we're incapable of, of just living to that standard. So it's a standard that's been revealed. We have it in hand, but we still wander off, going into our own profane ways. And, and so with that, there is this recognition of that's the bad news, so how can there be good news? Well, the good news is that 
God has made appropriation for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And then in the sending of his son and the dying for our sin, as you mentioned, the thankfulness for that, there's an opportunity for reconciliation that we didn't have the capacity on our own to take care of. In fact, what is declared is that he instills new life in us. And he empowers us with his spirit to begin making choices that are appropriate. Not that we've walked into perfection just through salvation. No. (laughs) But there is a turning in our lives of something that changes, that enables us to move in the right direction where we really didn't have even an interest in doing that before. He gets to uh, Romans 7, and, and he's been building this argument through this whole book to that point. And he goes, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he goes, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he's talking about when he hits Romans 8, and you know, the next few verses, and says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. In other words, the sin that weighed you down and had power over you to influence you, that you really, you saw the good, but you chose evil. He says, there's a transformation available in Christ. And you don't have to feel that condemnation because he, he gives you a change of heart and a change of nature, change of being. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That change of direction. He does a similar thing in Ephesians. Now, Ephesians has a much more, uh, what do you want to say, a flowery approach and a uh, ethereal message, so to speak, but he, he comes back to some of the core understanding. And so I'd like to read a few of those verses as well. This is in his intro chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So he says the design was that we would Step into holiness. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So this is one of the pictures that we embrace, saying that we have been brought into the family of God through the person of Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He says, it's set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we've obtained an inheritance. So this is a, a, a beautiful declaration of all that is in place for us as we embrace Christ. In this, uh, he doesn't spend seven chapters like Romans declaring all of us are, are living bankrupt except for Christ. But he jumps right into this and saying, 
this is what you've encountered when you, when you came to Christ. This is what you've taken on and embraced. This is, what you've, this is the freedom that you've stepped into. But he's, he goes on then and says in the 13th verse, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's a guarantee of our inheritance until we inquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, that said, I look at these passages and it draws me back to this core belief and understanding that I must never get so convoluted in my faith, so to speak, and my life in Christ, that I step away from this awe that says, only through Christ have I obtained reconciliation with God the Father. Only through Christ are my sins washed away. Only through Christ does this day have meaning and purpose. Only through Christ is my eternity established in Him. And that's the message that I must take to others as well. That I'm not, I am not first and foremost trying to transform behavior. I'm not first and foremost trying to say, uh, you need to start, stop this and start this. You know, it's, that's, that's secondary. <laughs> first and foremost is getting this thing set straight in Christ that says, you are the source of my salvation. The good news is that you've come to earth so that I might embrace this and know you and restoration and reconciliation with you. What an awesome thing that is. Do you stand with me? If you have yet to be at peace with Christ, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's recognize before him I'm sinful and in need of peace with you. And I believe through the person of Jesus Christ that's available to me. In that first book in Romans, he says, he quotes Habakkuk. He says, the righteous will live by faith. This is a faith decision. This is a decision that says, I trust this. I believe it. The book of Habakkuk, I'm getting distracted, but I'm going to finish this. It's an unusual book because the writers, he's watching his nation and saying, there's corruption here and this is twisted. How can this go on? God says, don't worry about it. I'm bringing a very profane people to deal with your, with your folks. <laughs> and he goes, that doesn't really seem like a solution to me. You're taking something worse to fix something that's bad? Yeah. But uh, know this, the righteous will live by faith. Trust me in this one is what God's saying. And as he trusts him, there's this awareness. God does all things right. And he can be trusted. And so Paul's making this declaration. Trust him in this one. Do you understand all the details? No. Will you? No, not before it's all over but 
it's worth the trust in this one. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation that washes away our sin. Even in this moment, I pray that our sins would be washed away. Once again, we'd acknowledge the freedom that is found in you through your salvation. Thank you for your good news that washes away the bad news, sets us free in you. Rejoice in you this day. Amen.